Holy Spirit within us that we too can say that we are good. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you and we praise you and we give your name glory and honor for being our God. We thank you for being a God of healing. We thank you for being a God of protection. We thank you for being a God of restoration. We thank you for a God that supplies all of our needs. We praise you because you loved us when no one else would love us. We, we thank you for your abundance of giving, for your long suffering, for your kindness or your forgiveness. Time after time, we have turned our backs. Time after time, we have hardened our hearts. Time after time, we can be called stiff-necked, unwilling to budge. The work that you're trying to do in our lives, the shaping and molding of us, to, to give us our crown, but we're just too stubborn to let you do your work. We want it our way. But you still, in your infinite goodness, bless us anyway. We thank you, God. We ask that you continue to be with us and touch every heart that is present here this morning. Touch every heart that desired to be here this morning. Whatever it is that, that kept them away, God, we ask that you restore, that you heal, that there will be no shame and no condemnation. We ask that you have a special blessing on us this morning, God, that we continue to study your word and as we continue to transform throughout this year that we begin to see your work moving in our lives. That we begin to trust you and only you. That we won't sweat the small stuff any longer. That we will leave it in your hands because we have seen you move time and time again. We want to trust you more, God. We want to be more like you. And we thank you for continuing to work in us. And so, Father God, as we move forward, we ask that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight because you are our strength and our redeemer. And so, God, as we close this prayer, we say, we want your will, Lord, nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. For it is in your Son, Jesus Christ's name, that we do pray and believe. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, a friend of mine on Facebook had posted, uh, he was working on his sermon for today and, and commented that the hardest thing that he was struggling with was developing his entry. And I, I responded to him on Facebook and said, you know, I, I've come to this place where now when I have meditated and studied all week and I get to that day that I'm actually going to sit down and prepare uh, to put all these thoughts and, and everything on to paper or in our case a PowerPoint uh, I, I have my own little praise and worship first uh, I, I sit in my, in my office and I play some songs and I, I listen to these, these worship music and, 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 and let God speak to me to take me to a place that my heart and mind are prepared to, to put down the words that I believe need to be spoken and I had my whole entry done, and then this morning I get up and I see this. Don't let them in, it will change everything. And you see this, the picture of a church, and church folk blocking Jesus from coming into his house, which is kind of how we've been talking about this, this idea of transformation, that we continue to understand that we have to 
be different than what we've always done. And the, the if letting Jesus in means he's going to shake up everything we've been doing. This, this whole thing of church that we've been doing for 30, 40, 50, 70 years will change. I, I want to continue to have my liturgical service done this way and in this order and don't deviate from it. And Jesus is there trying to get into his house. We're going to do it our way, not your way, God. And the second one came uh, from this quote at the end of this day. The world will either be more or less kind, compassionate, and loving place because of your presence. And it made me think of the sermon from last week. Is what, what does the world see when they see you? Do they see kindness, compassionate, love? Or do they see the anger that we saw in the picture we had last week of the uh, inside-out man, the anger man, with the fire coming out of his head? The, 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 we're supposed to be transforming into something different. The, that we're supposed to let Jesus in and we're supposed to be showing the world that when Jesus comes into your life and he disrupts things and changes things up, that you are going to leave the place, the interaction, the world, a better place, a kinder place, a compassionate place, a loving place. But that's only going to be so if we choose to go that route. And so we, we come today as a reminder, a sidetrack, because I keep getting yelled at from, uh, I send you the pictures, but you never put them up on the screen. So here they are, Mom, the screen, uh, for everybody to see the pictures of the food that we sent uh, to the food bank this month. As you can see, it's a pretty nice haul, and I believe that the, uh, the people at the food bank were very well received, or were excited to receive this. Uh, but then, you know, it, it addresses that question. At the end of the day, is the world going to be less kind, compassionate, or loving? And we know from our efforts here that what we're giving is trying to show some compassion and love to people who are less fortunate than us. Uh, the, it's important for us to do this because we have been doing things a certain way for so long that we forget and what it truly means to serve God and what it means to serve his people. Uh, and we find today that in the scripture, the New Testament book of Acts chapter 9, uh, we see a, a very religious man that we've known in the Bible to be one of the premier writers of the New Testament, uh, but he was doing things wrong. He was doing it his way, traditional way, blocking Jesus from coming in into the church and we get to the ninth chapter verses 1 through 5 and it says then Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest went to the bishop and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way whether men or women he might bring them bound to Jerusalem as he journeyed bound to Jerusalem as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. 
And so this morning, we want to use for a theme, meeting God. Meeting God. These people on the screen, the Make America Great Again youth, a pastor, Catholic bishop, Dylan Roof, Blood Gang, White Supremacist, uh, Yakuza, Pimp Bishop Don Juan, or Don Magic, whatever he calls himself, and the group that Donald Trump seems to be most afraid of, MS-13. You can't ever hear a speech from this man talking about MS-13. But these people, that we see, just like these people here, are all going to meet God. We are all going to meet God. And the, the question that we have to ask for ourselves are, are we going to meet God on my terms? Or are we going to meet God on his terms? The, the, the transformation that we keep talking about, the, the idea of transforming our lives and changing everything that we're doing is so that we can get to a place that we meet God on his terms. Because if we meet him on our terms, it's not going to be pretty. We, we, we want to do things like these people, you know, we, uh, Mr. I can't remember the young man's name, Mr. Make America Great Again hat boy. Uh, you know, they go around and people, yeah, I saw people just really just completely insane with anger because the extended video came out that appeared to show something else uh, that was going on. And they said, well, they, weren't, they were there minding their own business. It was these black Hebrew Israelites that created the problem. And then you watch a little bit of the video and you see them over there. I mean, if you've ever had any interaction with the black Hebrew Israelites, they're, they're obnoxious. Uh, they, they have the loudest speakers known to man. I don't know where they get their speakers from, but they will blow your eardrums out with their, their preaching wherever they are. But just because they're there goading these, these kids on doesn't mean they have to respond. I mean, they weren't there by themselves. They were there with chaperones and adults. The, the, the black Hebrew Israelites may have said some things to them that offended them, but they didn't require them to get into this man's face. They chose their action. And, and they said, well, they were, they were participating in help. The, the, the tomahawk chop is not supporting them. That is insulting to people who are American Indian, the original people of America. This is not supporting them while they're playing the drum, and you monster back there jumping up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that was insulting. And people were mad. But he's going to meet God one day. He'll sit up on the news talk about he had every right to stand his ground. He didn't use those words, but that's essentially what he's saying. I'm standing my ground. But he's still going to meet God. And the people that support him are going to meet God. And the people who are attacking him are going to meet God. And all these people, whether they're killers or good, whether their hearts are in the right place, are all going to meet God. Because the change we are seeking and the change we need can only come from the presence of God. So when we're sitting here trying to block Jesus from coming into our houses and into our lives, we're never going to see the change that Jesus is requiring from us to meet him on his terms. 
Let's look, look at Paul. It says in verse 5, verse 5 in the first part of it, it says, And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are, whom you are persecuting. In his way, he is persecuting the church. In his mind, and remember, Paul is a Pharisee, or part of that whole group. He was educated. We know he was educated in the best schools. He has been, was taught by one of the, uh, not only a pre preeminent scholar of the day, but thousands of years later, we still talk about his teaching, how renowned the teaching he was from. This dude's religious. He's going to church. He's doing what he thought was right. And Jesus said, you're persecuting me. To persecute, it says, we understand what, what we mean when we see a, a, a prosecutor and when we persecute people. But in this context, to persecute is to make run or flee, to put to flight, to drive away. They were trying to drive out those who were believing in Christ. And as he said, the followers of the way. They didn't call them Christians then. They were followers of the way. And, and remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the light. And if you follow Jesus Christ, you are followers of the way. Somewhere along the line, they adopted the term Christian to go with your Christ, you follow your disciples or followers of Christ, but they were called followers of the way. So here's Paul, persecuting, trying to drive away all the people who are followers of the way. But he was religious, kind of like our church folk today. Church every week, singing in the choir, stewardess board, deacon board, sitting in the pulpit, but ain't letting Jesus in, driving him away. At 5b, in the New King James Version, it says, it is hard for you to kick against the goads, and the King James, I mean, the New King James Version says that, and the King James Version, they said, it is hard to kick against the pricks. So, if you've never seen a goad, this was a gold, a stick with a uh, end, a sharp end. So when the guy, the farmer, was plowing the land, the ox or whatever the animal he was using, the beast of burden at the time, if he acted up, he would stick him with the gold, poke him in the back. So there was some repercussion for him bucking what I'm doing. I'm trying to plow this field, and if you ain't acting right, I'm sticking you with this. Isn't it hard to kick against this prick? And if you had a little bit more money, you didn't just have a stick, you had one made of metal. But the end, you see the end result is that it was painful for the animal. It's painful to kick against the goat, and Paul is, is, or Jesus is asking Paul, it's hard for you to kick against this. And you think about the lives we lead as Christians. How hard is it that we're trying to live this life? How painful or what is the pain we're experiencing trying to do things our way instead of God's way? The goad or the prick uh, defined is to offer vain and perilous or ruinous resistance. You're kicking against something. You're rebelling against something that is ruinous to you. God is trying to shape you and lead you down a path, and you're kicking against it, the vain, perilous resistance. A prick was defined as a sting, as that of bees, scorpions, or locusts. We know bees sting, we know scorpions stings, and I'm assuming because this was in the biblical dictionary, locusts sting. I know at least 
in Revelation when they talked about the scorpions that were, I mean, these, these, these strange beasts, they were going to have locusts with the scorpion tails to sting. Animals wound by their sting and even cause death. And Paul attributes death personified as a sting, i.e. a dangerous or deadly weapon, that the prick, the goad, was not something to be trifled with. But if we look at what those, those words to why are you persecuting me? And it is hard to kick against the goad and put it together. Persecute and kicking against the goad. We are literally driving away God with a vain, perilous, and ruinous resistance that will lead to death. That's what Paul is telling us when he wrote, I mean, I'm sorry, Luke is telling us when he wrote this in, in Acts. That we are driving away God with a vain, ruinous resistance that will lead to our death. But yet, week after week, we're sitting in the house of God. While many of us are slowly dying. We look good. We feel good. But we are dying slowly because we're kicking against the goads. Why do we want to spend our lives fighting and rebelling against what God is trying to do in our lives. We keep wanting to do it our way instead of God's way. Isaiah 57, verse 12 through 13, he says, I will declare your righteousness and your works, for they will not profit you. God is saying, I'm going to talk about all the good stuff you do on Road to Damascus. We're going to take pictures of all the food you're giving to people. We're going to talk about the teachers that you tried to help during the strike. The families that you're looking for that need help because of the government shutdown. But they won't profit you. When you cry out, let the collection of your idols deliver you. Everything you serve and accept me, let them deliver you. But the wind will carry them all away. A breath will take them. But he who puts his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. We can either do it our way or God's way. When we meet him, is it going to be in our terms or his terms? If we keep putting other things, idols in place to take God's place. But they don't serve any purpose. God just said, the wind will blow them away. Just a breath, not even a wind, just a breath will take them away. All the work you're doing, you think you're doing something, but it counts for nothing. Because you have chosen to do it your way and not my way. But we know we're all going to meet God, and so the one thing that will determine the drama-free meeting with God is our heart. That's the one thing that's going to take, determine when we meet God, will it entail drama or will it be smooth? Certainly Paul's meeting was drama filled. He's coming down there with his heart in his, in his, his way, breathing threats and murder, that's what it said, trying to kill some people until the light just knocked him off of his horse. Knocked him off his horse and blinded him for three days. Because he's doing it his way. Then verse 1 tells you, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord. 
But he wasn't just doing it on his own. He's bringing other people in his mess. He's going to the bishop. You know how them church, well, at least I know. See, everybody may not be part of, of the, the denomination I came from, but I remember when we set up our, our young adult ministry that we called Epic, and they found out that we were going to do the order of service different from the way we were supposed to traditionally do it. They called the bishop. Wow. We got these people at this church trying to do things different. I can't even remember who does what if you do the, did we do the prayer, then the scripture, or the scripture, then the prayer. I know Baptists do it one way, we did it the other way. Well, we decided, let's just flip it. Not because we wanted to be Baptists, let's just do something different. Bishop, they're not following the order of service. We had, a couple of times, we had a hundred young people at this church. Well, they're doing it different, and they're not even our members. I'm not kidding. I'm not saying this to be funny. This literally happened to the fact that the bishop called the pastor and said, what are you doing at this church having these people call me? I want to do it my way. This is the way we've always done it. You can't come up in here changing the way we do things. We do the scripture first, then we pray. Or we do pray first and then we read the scripture. Whatever way we do it, that's the way we do it. And don't change it. Why do musicians get paid more than ours? Uh, we offered to these musicians, but because you influence them, they don't want to do it. They're afraid to make the church people mad. Doing it my way not God's way. Now, when we look at Paul, we know this is his way. He says he's still breathing threats and murder. This is a church man. Is this God behavior? What do people see when they see this high-ranking church official breathing murder and threats against God's people? Juxtapose that with the word of God that tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 4-5, love suffers long and kind, love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Which way is God's way? Which way is man's way? We know how we are when we see these people that live lives that are not the way we believe life is supposed to be. What you mean... You don't identify as a man. What do you mean you were born this way? You're an abomination to God. You're not right. Meanwhile, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord as opposed to does not behave rudely is not provoked, thinks no evil. My way, God's way. We all gonna meet God. Are we gonna meet him our way? Or his way? Let's see, Luke wrote it on this, 645. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good food, uh, brings forth good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. You know, I mean, you think about those words. 
A good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth good. But that last one, yet, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. The words that you say tell us the condition of your heart. If everything out of your mouth is angry, fussing, creating havoc, and lying, and then you come after that with God bless you. You know, all we've known these people. I've worked with a lady that will curse you from the floor to the roof. Come back two minutes later. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me and God bless you. Always walking around work with her Bible in her hand, trying to prove to folk that she was Christian. Out of the treasure of his heart brings forth good, a good man. So we think about this and this idea of transformation and our context of meeting God. The good man out of good treasure of his heart brings forth good. What's coming out of you? As you remember last week, I, I gave you that challenge. Uh, I said to think about this. Every interaction you have, every word that comes out of your mouth, to think about not what would Jesus do, but what, would, what do the people see? My wife was telling me this morning, uh, she was taking a long time, as she usually does, to get out of the car. So I'm standing out in the car, waiting to lock the door in the cold. So I have to rap on the window. Let's move it. <laughs> we drive here every week, the same time. You know when we get off the freeway, we're close to church. Wrap up your stuff, and let's get this thing together. Right, baby? <laughs> but it made her remember, she, you said you went to the gas station? And some guy comes knocking on her window. For whatever reason, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, it, it startled her and caused her to want to respond angrily. But she thought about it again. What do they see? Who am I supposed to be? Are we having those interactions and those thoughts with ourselves? What is the world seeing when they see me? Do they see the person who brings forth good out of the heart? Or are they seeing evil that comes out of my heart? What do our family members see? Children, spouses, uncles, aunts, cousins, friends, co-workers. Do they see the good treasure in your heart or do they see the evil treasure? Because your mouth is going to say these things. I remember my dad asked me years ago when I was out of church, when I was going back, and I told him I wasn't. I don't need to be sitting up in there with a bunch of hypocrites. What do I need to sit around with uh, people who, who don't care about me? I mean, people on the street don't care about me. At least they're honest about it. We're not honest with who we are and what we're about as church folk because we're doing it our way and not God's way. But the heart is so vitally important to God and we know it is important because he told us in Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. So I said the, the thing that's going to control our meeting with God to either make it his way or our way is our heart. And he tells us here, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. Because when we meet God, 
Our heart has to be in the right place. Our heart has to be in line with God. The reason why David was a man after God's own heart is because not because he was perfect. It was because he realized he needed God for everything that he did. He knew that he was prone to failure and the only way he can be restored is through God, with God. That was why he was a man after God's own heart, not because he was so special, not because he was good looking, not because he had things or didn't have that. It was because he trusted God. The heart is vitally important to God. The, uh, 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 God looks at the heart, this little organ in our body, on average weighs less than a pound, but it's so important to keeping us alive. Nothing happens if the heart stops working. But the heart is more than just this organ that keeps us alive. God, God is looking at the heart as the center of life for us, the, the center of love, the center of wisdom, the, every, the center of our very being involves our heart. And when you think about the times, I know Pastor Chris can sit here and agree with me, uh, uh, Brother Jesse, the same thing, anybody, it's not just them, anybody in here who's been in love, that that first time you realize, I love this person. That, that feeling inside, the, the feeling that even years after you've been together and you get into the humdrum that occasionally something will happen, the light will hit them a certain way, their voice will sound a certain way, they touch your hand, just this particular moment, and you shudder because you get nervous. Ooh. I told my wife, she told me one day she loved me. I said, you know that made my heart skip a beat. It was weird, yeah, after all these years, it just literally made my heart skip a beat. But when I remember the times of the anticipation of seeing her, how I would feel it in my heart, it would physiologically have a response of sweating and bumps and nervousness that I get to see this woman. God said, keep it with all due diligence, because one day you're going to meet me. And your heart's going to have to be in the right place. He even said it in, 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 in Revelation when he talked about the churches. He said, you, you guys are doing things crazy and this is what I have against you. You have turned away from your first love. See, that, that excitement that you had when you first turned your life over to Christ. The, 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 the joy you had at the presence of coming and saying, oh, I get to go to church. I get to be, I get to pray, I got another day to serve God, I love God. And you know, it's, it's funny because we get to this place as, as seasoned Christians that you get tired of reborn Christians because of their excitement. Why you got to walk around with your Bible? <laughs> I know I did everywhere I went. I carried my Bible with me just because I was so excited about it. And don't even talk about when I accepted the call in the ministry. Everywhere I go, I'm ready to have a sermon with somebody. Let's, let's talk about God. And then somewhere along the line, just like our loves with people, you just kind of you go about it. And they're here. God's here. Yeah, I love you. I love you too. We know how it gets. We even kind of forget these things. But, but there's still that love that God said, protect this. 
But you know how it is when the, the, the protection comes and when you first find that love, the person you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with, nothing is going to stop you from getting to them. And it's just like you see these, these they keep telling women, and, and I don't know how many more years that we're going to have to tell women that if the man loves you, he's going to make you his wife. How many years much more are we are? I mean, I know they've been, probably told you that when you were young, right, Mom? I'm asking. <laughs> she just been looking at me like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Somebody helped me out, uh, Elder Marshall. Okay. So it's not something new. And yet today we still got to tell women, stop acting like you his wife when you're not his wife. If he wants you to be his wife, he's going to make you his wife. And we know that feeling as a man, that when you make this your wife, that you're, I'm dating Sean, she didn't even know I went and bought, when I, when I, I knew one day I saw her, and I, all I could think of at the time, because I was dating this other woman, and thinking, why am I with this girl? That's who I want. And circumstances worked out that I kicked that one to the curb, and I remember thinking all excited, ooh, now I get to finally ask out Chantel. Then we started dating, and we got to date a little bit longer, and then I realized, I said, I ain't letting her go. I went and bought a ring <laughs> months before I gave it to her. I knew she was the one. It was just going to be a matter of timing to say, will you marry me? How, when did I tell you I got that ring? How many months? Three months after we were dating, I went and had that ring. No, I had it before the three months, right? Whatever, I had it. <laughs> I'm getting off track. What was we talking about my marriage? <laughs> I wasn't driving her away. I was pursuing this to make her mine, to give you, I wanted her heart with mine. Uh, and, and so out of my heart was flowing good things. It wasn't evil. Uh, but God always tells us, you know, he told us to protect our heart and he understands how important it is with your heart. He says in Mark 12, verse uh, 30, the Pharisees are quizzing Jesus on what's so important, what's the greatest law. And Jesus tells them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Every fiber of your being needs to be focused on God. Don't come up to him talking about, well, you know, it's a, you didn't answer my prayer and I didn't hear from you like he's supposed to respond to your text message today. But he didn't call me back, so we, that's, I guess it's over. I can go do what I want to do. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and says with all your strength, every fiber of your being, because when you meet me, I want to know, do you love me? When you meet me, are you committed to me? When you meet me, is everything about you saying that you are mine? Or are you just doing it your way? He tells us in Isaiah, I love this translation, Isaiah 29. Uh, this is the voice translation, verse 13. These people think they can draw near to me by saying the right things. By honoring me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. 
Their worship of me consists of man-made traditions learned by rote, which just simply means by habit. It is a meaningless sham. Now, we talked about my former denomination, that we did things, the order of service, and you respond not because this is what you're supposed to do. It was habit. You knew when you were supposed to stand. You knew when you were supposed to sit down. You knew the proper response when the person who was leading this call to worship when you were supposed to respond by habit, not because you felt those words, not because it meant something to you, because you did it out of a man-made tradition learned out of constant repetition. Here we go. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. I know some of you already know the response. <laughs> you knew when dude sitting down, you saw when he came up here, first thing you supposed to do is stand up. He didn't even have to say, please stand. You just stood up because it was the automatic reaction. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord our God. Our feet shall stand within thy gates. Oh, Jerusalem. And then, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. <laughs> just pop, just like Pavlov's dog. This is what you do. Their worship of me consists of man-made traditions learned by habit. It's a meaningless sham. And this is the same stuff that people are calling the bishop on because we're doing things different. Trying to bring people to Christ. Trying to save some souls. Who cares what church they go to? They're praising God. They're praising God in the house that you say is your house of worship of God. And you're mad. And then God says, but they think they can draw near to me by saying the right things, by, by honoring me with their lips. You know that. I love you. We, I, I got to put it out there. Before I married Sean, I done told a lot of girls I loved them. But for one thing and one thing only, and it had nothing to do with honor, and it had nothing to do about wifing them up. It was treating them like they my wife without making them my wife. I'm honoring them with my lips, but I had no heart for them. God, isn't you treating me like some girl you met on the corner? You honor me, giving me this lip service, talking about how much you love me. You don't even know me. I did have a girl tell how you love me? You don't even know me, fool. <laughs> Baby, I, I know everything I need to know about you. You this, look at your eyes. Your eyes so pretty. <laughs> your smooth skin. Girl, you everything. The heart was not for God. It's not in the right place. It's my way. Date, I'm dating these women. You don't do it the way I want, we done. God say, look, you can do it my way. You can do it your way. Either way it goes, we meeting. This meeting is going down. 
your way or my way? Reason David is so great. Psalm 51 verse uh, 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart. I'm coming to you, God. I've been doing things my way. I've been doing it not your way. But I want you now to change everything about me. To give me a clean heart that when I approach you, that it will be the way you want me to. That when we have our meeting, that I will be the man you want me to be. I will be the woman that you want me to be. I will be the disciple, the apostle, the servant that you have called me to be. Because my heart is now in the right place. I'm no longer just paying you lip service. I'm wanting and desiring to transform everything about me and stop doing it my way. But are we willing to do it our way? Or are we going to keep doing it God, I mean, are we willing to do it God's way or are we going to keep doing it our way? You remember this? Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. The, the order of operations for mathematics. This tells us the way we're supposed to do a mathematical problem. Parentheses, exponents, multiplication, division, addition, subtraction. That if you always solve a problem, following this method, you'll get the right answer. You can't do math your way and expect to get the right answer. That equation, the quantity 2 plus 2 minus 2 plus the quantity of 2 times 2, has a definite answer. But if you do it your way, it's going to be wrong. Life is the same way. If you don't solve it according to the, the order of, of operations, you have the wrong answer. If you don't live life according to the way God is telling us to live, you're going to have the wrong outcome. It will never be right for you doing it your way. Why do we expect that things are going to be so great? You go ahead, Steve. Why do we expect things to be smooth when we're doing it our way? Paul was serving God, so he thought. He was working in the church. He was trained by the best, and yet he was wrong. So many of us are continued and willfully doing things our way and forgetting what God is trying to do and wants to do in our lives. We are at, just like these people. Jesus is trying to get in and we're stopping him. I don't want to forgive that person. I don't want to love these people. Trust you? I only got $50 in the bank. Doctor told me things are not going to work out the way I want. My kids are not doing 
are behaving the way they've been raised. And Jesus is coming in. Let me in. Let me show you the way. Let me give you some peace that when your world is turned upside down, you'll still trust me. That when the enemy attacks you, you will still trust me. Because you're on a road to meet me. I want you to meet me the way I want you to be. Don't drive me away. It's fruitless. It's, 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 it's perilous resistance because we want to do it our way and not God's way. A young man texted me this week and asked if he could come to church and I expected to see him here today. Surprised that he's not. But I know he's at a place in his life that the idols that he set up are not working any longer. The things that he's trusted in including himself, are not working any longer. We have, we have told this lie to, to, to thousands upon thousands of people that because you go to church and because you love God that you're going to have a problem-free life. And he never guaranteed that. He only promised us peace. That when you have the storms, that I will still be with you. That when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, he's still with us. That if you're like me, still looking for a job, that he's still with me. Don't worry, don't fear. Stop doing it your own way. I really wish he was here so he could begin to hear more of that. But he'll come. But even more so than him, how many of us are still doing it our way? Resisting, constantly kicking against the goad because I just can't submit. I'm unwilling. The meeting is taking place. That we, we, we used to say there are two things that are certain, death and taxes. But I'm at that third certainty, meeting God. And some people don't pay taxes. But they go meet God. We know our president ain't paid taxes in years. His cronies ain't paid taxes in years. So we can say a couple things certain for them. Death, jail, and meeting God. So we have to decide, are we going to stop doing it our way? Or are we going to start doing it God's way? Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you.